reading from John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. I invite you to stand with me as we hear the word of the Lord and we are reminded that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Jesus says, beginning at verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of God. Well, you are in for a treat today, or maybe I should say I'm in for a treat today. I get to talk about two of my favorite things that I haven't talked about for a while. Michigan football and firewood. Now, if you're new, maybe you're a guest here for the first time, maybe you're watching through the live stream, you're thinking, that's not what I came to hear about. And if that's what you're thinking, I'm actually very encouraged. I am indeed being facetious this morning. If you're a member, if you're a regular attender, if you've been here for any length of time, you know what I'm going to talk about. Jesus. Right? It's like uh, my five-year-old niece when her mom asked her what they talked about, what she learned about in Sunday school. She said, God again. (laughs) That's a good answer. That's good. That's what she's learning about. But now you're going to have to listen for how Michigan football and firewood relate to Jesus. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about them this morning. But the real treat for God's people is this. The Holy Spirit is present in your life right now. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the power of the Almighty God is present with us in your life right now and he will apply the truth of his word to your life today. He is delighted to be here and delighted to do the work that he's about to do, to magnify the beauty and the glory of Jesus, and so help you and me behold the unsearchable riches of Christ 
because he loves Jesus and he loves you. And he'll do that work this morning so that you will indeed be built up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. That is what will happen right here and right now. Now the disciples did not think they were in for a treat when Jesus told them that he was about to go away. That's where we're at in this story of John's gospel. Jesus is going away and the disciples are confused. Their hearts are troubled. They're fearful. They're anxious. They're worried. But Jesus will say to them that it's actually to their advantage that he goes away. It will be better for them, better for us that he goes away. Otherwise, the spirit would not be given to them. Jim Harbaugh is the coach of the Michigan football team, and he has a well-known tradition of encouraging his players with a call and response. He yells out, who's got it better than us? And they respond, nobody. And he learned it from his father, Jack, who as a kid growing up in the 50s, he lived in a time and a place, one of those neighborhoods with lots of kids, and they could just go out and play all day long. Some of us remember those days. They'd go out, play all morning. They'd just pick one of their their mom's houses to go to for lunch. She'd feed them all. They'd go out, play all afternoon, go back home for dinner, go out, play all evening. And they loved that time together. And, and Jack even had a hockey rink in his backyard. They'd spray water, it'd freeze, and so they could play hockey right in his backyard. And so they started to say, who's got it better than us? Nobody. It's a wonderful call and response. It teaches you to appreciate what you have. It can foster in us wonder and a sense of gratitude. Teach us to count our blessings, focus on the good gifts that God has given us. Now these kids, these athletes, they say that based on the good gifts God has given in this life. And if that was the only focus, then that may not be true for you today. You may not believe that or feel that today. But we, the children of God, we say it based on the good gifts God has given us in Christ. Every spiritual blessing including the gift of the holy spirit and that's what this passage is about this morning jesus promising to give his holy spirit to his people and what the gift of the holy spirit proves to be true in our lives is this jesus loves you he is with you every moment he is at work in your life and he gives you his peace and when we understand that beloved then we can ask, who's got it better than us? And we can answer with full assurance, with more joy and confidence and gratitude than any kid on the playground, than any athlete, athlete before any game. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. So let us consider these great blessings this morning, these eternal truths from the passage, beginning with this one. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. In this passage, Jesus describes the ongoing loving relationship that exists within the Godhead, the Trinity, the love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this love is shared with us, with his people, his followers. Verse 21, Jesus says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Well, one way Jesus shows 
his love for us is by manifesting himself to us. But what does that mean? In verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, not the one who betrayed Jesus, he asked this question. Jesus, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answers, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So one of the ways that Jesus manifests himself to us as a sign of his love for us is by coming to us, making his home with us, by being with us. This is a sign of his love. It's very simple. If you love someone, you want to be with them. If someone says they love you, but they never want to be with you, you begin to doubt their words. If someone doesn't want to be with you, you're not even sure they like you, let alone love you. But if someone makes that effort to be with you, they show that interest, then you begin to realize that they care about you. Jesus wants to be with his people because he loves them. You know, our view of God, our view of Jesus can be so easily distorted. There are many challenges in this life. So perhaps your own father did not love you the way God designed or other Christians have sinned against you. Or Satan, the father of lies, has deceived you. Or you've been taught things that are not true. But if you are a child of God, if you believe in Jesus and your view of God, your view of Jesus in any way makes you feel like he is distant, like he does not like you, he does not want to be with you, he does not delight in you, then your view of him is distorted. That's not the real Jesus. Jesus loves you. He loves each and every one of his children. And one way that he shows that love for us is by being with us, with you. He always wants to be with you. And so he is, even now. Beloved, Jesus loves you. And second, he is with you by his spirit. So you are not alone. Indeed, you are never alone. Jesus promised he would never leave you or forsake you. He's with you right now and always by his spirit dwelling within you. Here again, the word of God. What Jesus says all the times, all the ways in this passage that I already read, that he comforts and encourages his disciples with the promise of his presence, his very presence with us. Verse 16, Jesus said, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows him, neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 23, Jesus answered him. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Beloved, Jesus is with you by his spirit. You are not alone. You are never alone. If you believe in Jesus, then his Holy Spirit dwells with you forever. And this is true of every 
believer without exception. From the youngest to the oldest. From the most sinful to the most holy. Jesus has not stopped loving you when you sin or when you suffer. And he doesn't leave you when you sin or suffer. Instead, he draws near. He dwells within you forever by his spirit. Jesus does not stop loving you when you are physically alone. And he doesn't leave you when you are physically alone. He is present with you at all times, always near to help and comfort and strengthen. And so, beloved, you have right now and always the full power of Almighty God with you and in you. You have the tender, compassionate, unfailing, steadfast love of Jesus for you, in you, with you at all times. And so, beloved, wherever you go, you bring the presence of God. Wherever you go, you bring the presence of God. Have you ever thought about that? Everywhere you go, in every relationship, in every situation, if you are there, God is there. And he is there with you. Believers in Jesus Christ bring the presence of God with us wherever we go. For he is with us always at all times. People who do not know and love Jesus do not have this gift, this presence. The Holy Spirit does not dwell within them. But if you are with them, God is near. And he works in and through you to show others what he is like, to manifest his love and his truth, making you, making us faithful witnesses that they also may come to know and love our Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved, you who believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you. He dwells within you forever, at all times, in all places. And he is fully present and fully aware of everything in your life. You might think that he's distant, that he is uncaring, that he is unable to help, or that he gets tired of your repeated sins, your repeated struggles, like so many people in our life may do. But he is not like us. And you would be wrong if you think those things. Jesus loves you. He is with you by his spirit, and he is always working. He's always working, which leads us to this third great truth this morning. Jesus, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, is at work in your life. He's at work in your life, beloved. Jesus gives us some insight into the work of the Holy Spirit and what he says to his disciples here in John 14. In verse 16, Jesus says he'll ask the Father, and the Father will give us, he'll send another helper. This helper is indeed the Holy Spirit. He's another helper and that he is of the same kind, the same essence as Jesus was and is. Jesus is our helper and the Holy Spirit is another helper like Jesus. Jesus is our advocate, our help from heaven. And now the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be present with us, to be our help in our lives, in our hearts. That Greek word for helper is is one that's hard to capture with just one English word word and so different bible translations will use different words maybe you've heard the word helper like here or counselor or comforter and they're all helpful to us understanding the full scope of the work of the holy spirit 
The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives as a helper. But we have to understand what that word means. Maybe not what we initially think it means based on how we often use it. Daddy's little helper painting ahead of you so then you can go and cover up maybe some mistakes that may have been made. That's not the way the Holy Spirit helps us. The word actually means strength alongside. Strength alongside. The Holy Spirit brings us strength that we don't have, that we are lacking. So I have not had the joy of splitting and stacking and moving wood in a long time. I am out of practice of using my chainsaw. It's something that I miss very much, but I still notice any time I see trees cut down and laying on the side of the road in somebody's yard, and I still covet when I see that. I think I could have a lot of firewood out of that pile of wood. And my kids have been trained to think this way too. So anytime they see, they let me know. And I may have told you the one time Ella was running by this house and she saw this huge pile of oak wood laying in this yard. And it happened to be somebody that I knew. And he said, I could have it as long as I just came and and cut, cut it up and took it. So I did. I called John Rittenhouse and we went to move these huge pieces. And oak wood is solid and heavy. And these were the biggest pieces of wood I have ever seen. So that if John and I tried to move them on our own, we would be seriously hurt. We'd be hurting. We needed a strength alongside. And so we were glad to force or, or ask our strong young, young sons, Nathan and Luke, to help us. They were a strength we needed, a strength we didn't have. Beloved, you have the ultimate strength alongside at work in your life. The almighty power of the risen, ascended, reigning Christ is within you at work in your life. He's doing his work in your life and there's nothing he cannot do. His strength made perfect in your weakness. His grace is sufficient for your every need and so you can actually boast in your weaknesses for it's then that the power of Christ rests upon you you can boast in your weaknesses knowing it's that very power that very strength of jesus christ and who is jesus he's the one who rose from the grave who conquered sin and death and the devil this almighty power comes alongside you in the presence of the holy spirit this power is at work in your life it's not simply your own willpower it's the power of another strength alongside exactly what we need when we need it the spirit is also at work in your life as your comforter your counselor so that when it looks like everyone has it better than you when you feel that weight in the depth of your soul that everyone has it better than you when your life is full of hard things or bad things when you're crushed by the evil of this world whether it's from without or whether it's from within. The Holy Spirit is present to comfort you and counsel you to apply the truth of God's word and the redeeming work of God's Son to you. But this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit always does his work in tandem with the word of God while putting the spotlight on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
In verse 17, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. As the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of his word. In verse 26, Jesus tells his disciples that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things, will bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Now for the disciples, this meant that the Holy Spirit would carry them along. God would breathe out his word through them so that they would write much of the New Testament so that we could have this Bible in our hands today, the very inspired word of God. That's why we have the Gospel of John today because this happened in John's life. Jesus said it would happen and it did. The Holy Spirit did this work in John's life and he remembered and recorded for us the things that Jesus said and did so we can know them and we can know Jesus today. For us today, the Holy Spirit works in our lives through the truth of the written word. We're not still writing the word of God today. Jesus is not physically present, still doing visible signs that we can see or talking with us so that we can actually write down what we hear him say verbally. That, that's not happening today. So the Holy Spirit does not give us new revelation. We're not adding to the Bible. Instead, the Spirit works through the already written word of God. That's why we say this book is unlike any other book in the whole world. It's the inspired word of God. And when you read it, the Holy Spirit, the almighty power of God is at work in your life to apply it to your life, to change your life. The Spirit works through the already written word of God. He causes it to come alive to us. He gives us understanding. He opens our eyes so we can see its truth and beauty. He opens our ears so we can hear and understand. He opens our hearts to believe and treasure this truth and he empowers our lives to obey it. Beloved, you have had this experience in your life. You have had this experience in your life, have you not? As has every single person who's ever believed in Jesus Christ. One of those people is David Berkowitz. You might remember that name or or the name Son of Sam. He was also known as. He was in prison for his horrific, murderous crimes against humanity. And a fellow inmate, a friend, proclaimed Christ to him. And he didn't believe it. He didn't believe that God could love him. He didn't believe that God could forgive him. He had done too much evil. And indeed, he had done unspeakable evil. But his friend gave him a Bible. And he read it. He liked to read He read the Psalms. He loved the poetry of the Psalms. And then one day, this happened in his life. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, did his work in his life as he read this book. Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And you can imagine the joy that would well up in his heart What do you mean? I am such a poor, wretched man. The Lord could hear me. He could save me out of all my troubles. And the Holy Spirit gave him faith to believe that, yes, indeed, it is true. He believed the truth of God's word. He repented of his sin. He trusted in Jesus. And he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Now, David's testimony is a powerful display of the Holy Spirit's work. But it's not an unusual one. 
It's not unique. You know, one of the great joys and privileges that I have as a pastor is to hear people's testimonies, the stories of how they came to faith in Jesus Christ. And in every church that I have been in, I have heard stories like this. Everyone. In my early days in Harrisburg, there was a young man living on his own, single young man, alone in his apartment. And he picked up his Bible and he read it. And the Holy Spirit did this work in his life, just him alone in his apartment. And he believed the truth of God's word and he trusted in Jesus Christ and his life was changed forever. When I was at Westminster, there was a father of some of the kids in the youth group. And this father, when he was a young man and he was going off to the Navy, his parents gave him a Bible and he took it with him on the ship. And he's on that ship. He doesn't know if there's any other believers even around. He himself is not a believer, but he takes that Bible that his parents gave him and he opens it up and he reads it. And the Holy Spirit does this work in his life and he's changed forever as he sees that Jesus Christ is indeed the son of the living God. And he has life in his name. Here at Proclamation, one of our own members read the Bible and the Holy Spirit testified within his heart that it was indeed true. It's beautiful. It's compelling. And he believed it. Beloved, there is power in reading the word. We said this morning, all are welcome. Maybe this morning you are here and you don't believe in Jesus. Or you have questions about Jesus. You're exploring, what does this all mean? If that's you, I would encourage you to take up the word of God and read it. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd be glad to give you one today. You could start with the Gospel of John, read it, and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't do that work in your life and it proves to be true and beautiful. And if you do believe in Jesus, I would urge you, read the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will do this work in your life as you do. He'll apply it to your life to bring strength and comfort and wisdom. That's what he does. Your circumstances may not change. Your pain may not go away. But the Holy Spirit will work through the truth of the word of God to make you more like Jesus. To fill your mind and heart with truth and with hope. And as you read, I would urge you to share the word of God with one another. That's what Jesus does here with his disciples. That's what he's doing. Their hearts are troubled. But they're not the only ones. Jesus' heart is troubled also. He's about to go to the cross. He faces death on the cross for our sins, and yet he comforts his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. He's not consumed by his own pain, his coming affliction. The Spirit strengthens him to comfort others. The same Spirit that worked through the life of Jesus Christ is alive and working in our lives today. Well, here Jesus was the embodiment of Isaiah 50, verse 4. The prophet writes, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word one who is weary. What a great thought that God can work through us to sustain with a word, with the word of God, the truth of God's word, those who are weary. Jesus encourages his disciples. He comforts his disciples with his words of truth. And we can do the same for one another. The spirit of truth works in us. He works through us as the word of Christ dwells in us richly. 
as we share that word with one another, teaching and encouraging and admonishing, speaking words of grace that build one another up. Beloved, Jesus loves you. He's with you by his spirit. He is at work in your life. And finally, he gives you his peace. He gives you his peace. Verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. What is this peace? How is it different from the world? Well, the world cannot give this peace that Jesus gives. The world has no power to give this peace. This is a peace that everyone needs in their lives, but it's a peace that no one else can give. It's peace with God. Peace with his creation. Peace with one another. It can only be given by Jesus because it comes as a result of his atoning sacrifice. His death on the cross for the sins of the world purchases this peace for us. This peace is not simply the absence of conflict. That's often how we think about peace. I don't have conflict with anyone. We think we're at peace. It's it's not only that. It is also positive blessing. Specifically, the positive blessing of a restored relationship with the Holy God who made us. Reconciliation with God. So that God is no longer against us because of our sin, but for us at all times because of his son. Because his son fully paid for all our sins with his precious blood. Because he's perfectly obeyed the law now in our place. We are righteous in God's sight. All our sin is forgiven. And we are at peace with God. Beloved, this peace does not come from looking within. And it doesn't come from looking out to the world around us. It doesn't come from the absence of turmoil in this life or from overcoming all our sins or a life free of trouble. It comes only through reconciliation with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It comes from knowing God and believing his word from the work of the Holy Spirit, from looking to Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, it is always the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self and to Jesus. It's always the Holy Spirit's work to turn your eyes away from yourself and to Jesus. But Satan's work is just the opposite. It's just the opposite. He is constantly trying to make us pay attention to ourselves instead of to Christ. He insinuates, your sins are too great for pardon. Just what he was saying to David Berkowitz in that cell. I'm sure just what he said to so many of us. Your sins are too great to pardon. You have no faith. You do not repent enough. You'll never be able to continue to the end. You don't have the joy of the children. You have such a weak hold of Jesus. That's the work of Satan. All these thoughts are thoughts about self and we will never find comfort or assurance by looking within. But oh, beloved, the Holy Spirit comes to minister to us. And he turns our eyes entirely away from self. He tells us, Yes, we are nothing, but Christ is everything. Christ is all in all. And so Jesus gives us this blessed peace that we need. It does not come from the world. It doesn't come from having the things of the world. It doesn't come from having the approval of the world. It doesn't come from within, from your own goodness or your own strength or being true to yourself as you define your own identity. It comes only from looking to Jesus. 
Beloved, when you look to Jesus, when you know him, when you believe the truth about him, he gives you his peace and you love him. He is your joy. And when you love him, you obey him. 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 I said it four times because Jesus says it four times in this passage. It's repeated over and over again. It's one of the themes of this passage. As the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to behold the glory of Jesus, his incredible love and commitment to us when we were not deserving, he loved us, he gave his life for us. When the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to that, we respond with love. And our love is shown by obedience. Jesus is describing the relationship we have with him. He's not laying out duties or conditions. He's just saying, this is the way it is. This is the reality, the truth of our relationship with the living God through Christ, with the presence of his spirit within us. Well, chapter 14 ends by saying, Jesus saying to his disciples, rise, let us go from here. Those words are significant, I believe, not only for the disciples then, but for us today. Yes, they did rise and go. And Jesus would rise and ascend. And we too will rise and go. Because Jesus said in this passage, because I live, you also will live. Because Jesus lives, we too will live eternally. Beloved, there's a coming joy we cannot hardly fathom. Our hearts burst just to even think about it, to try to imagine it. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. He's the down payment given to every one of you who belongs to Jesus to make sure that you know that this coming hope is certain. The Holy Spirit within you is testifying right now. It's true. It's true. It's coming. Yes, there are hard things in our lives right now. Yes, there are bad things in our lives right now, things that trouble our hearts, but there are also good things now through Jesus, because of Jesus, and there are great things to come. But what will we set our hearts on? What will we think about? What will we let our hearts dwell on? Today, beloved, let's dwell on the presence of of the Holy Spirit within us. And not only within us, but in our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. The Spirit of the living, loving, holy God in me and in you. As for the saints in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Can we say that of one another? When we think about this glorious truth, dwell on the presence of the holy God in you and in your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ for no matter what you've done this week no matter what has happened to you no matter what may come today or in the days ahead for all who believe in Jesus Jesus loves you he is with you he is at work in your life and he gives you his peace of all the people in the world. We, the children of God, the saints in Christ Jesus, 
we who have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit with us forever, we can say, who's got it better than us? Nobody. Amen? Amen.